0: Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, UnitedHealthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
2: Hello, and welcome to Film Chat. In the year 2074, the cybernetics market is dominated by two companies— the USA's Moran Wheel Robotics, and Japan's Foster Yashi Industries. Moran Wheel plans to eliminate the entire board of Foster Yashi Industries by using an android called Casella Cash Reese, filled with a liquid explosive called Glass Shadow, as a suicide bomber. But Cash has other plans and escapes her facility with her combat trainer Colton Ricks, assisted by the renegade cyborg Mercy. They are pursued by Moran Wheel's hired killer, or wiretapper, the terrifying Daniel Bench. Bench must also deal with a rival bounty hunter named Chen, who plans on killing Colt and reprogramming Cash by having her blow up Moran Wheel as a means to get even with her boss, Dunn. However, Chen and Rix get into a fight, which results in her getting electrocuted by a fuse box. Those are just some of the thrilling sequences adapted from the 1989 Angelina Jolie movie Cyborg 2, which this podcast will not be featuring, as it is in fact just us sitting around yakking about films. I'm Sam Foster, and joining me, an American bale moth who will stop at nothing to destroy his Japanese rivals, Danny Moran. Hello, hello. On this
1: week's film chat, I've written my diary, I've been to the edge of reason, and now I'm having a baby. No, wait... I'm talking about the fictional character Bridget Jones, whose third film, Bridget Jones' Baby, I shall be reviewing. Meanwhile, Sam went on a hunt to find a screening for Hunt for the Wilderpeople. I have no idea if he's successful or not, but if this episode is 10 minutes more than usual, he probably wasn't. We also wonder what gifts Jared Letters' co-stars will be receiving from him when he films Andy Warhol biopic next year, and wonder how Brady Corbet's next film can top his brilliant debut, The Childhood of a Leader. Wait, I'm being told that instead of it being an austere period drama, it's about pop music in the noughties. Mission accomplished, Corbe.
0: Awesome, Corbe.
1: All of this should leave me just enough time for me to perform my latest impression. Sydney Greenstreet, playing Elijah Wood's character from the football hooligan drama, Green Street. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. ah, you are a character. Ah, yes, West Ham, my favourite team. I can't fight you, it's too hot today. <laughs> yes, Millwall or <was> Slags, ha. <laughs>
2: <laughs> come on come on! Everyone knows what Sydney Green, Green Street. Street Sounds like Street? He's The fat Casablanca. guy The fat guy in Casablanca The fat man from
1: Maltese Falcon
2: the fat man Of Maltese Falcon Films, films, films Films, films, films Films, films Lots of films Films, films, films Films Good films Bad films Fun films Sad films Films we love Weird Films, laws, from trail films, old films, new films, some John Boo films, films that star Peter Finch, films by David Lynch, films, short films, six hours long. We've got films up to your gills with films, 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 films movies.
0: Are you feeling comfortable? Film chat has begun.
2: Correspondence this week, a little bit thin on the ground. No one loves us, feeling unloved, feeling feeling lonely. But Chris did send us a picture of Roger McGough looking a lot like Michael Caine. It's pretty cool. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. But we don't need correspondence because something more exciting than simply having people write into us has been happening. Danny has... Helped drive Film Chat into a whole new realm of legitimacy by acquiring press accreditation for the London Film Festival. Danny, well done. Thanks. You're, you're a legend, mate. Yeah, mate. I can't tell you how my heart leapt to see that uh, official printed out card you've got that says Film Chat presenter on it with a picture of you. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty incredible. So you've been spending all week pretty much camped out inside uh, South Bank. Yeah, Center. I, I go and they, you know, they draw back the cun, where the plebs aren't allowed
1: to go. Yeah. Um, Just luminaries from British cinema are waiting to just applaud me and pat me <laughs> on the back. Peter Greenway gives you a reach around. Nice. Nicholas Rogue kisses you on the mouth. <laughs> and okay. uh, Well, he is a strange one. And Ken Russell's ghost. <laughs> <laughs> what does Ken Russell's ghost do? Usher, usher you to your seat. And then it's just free movies all day. <laughs> and uh, discount coffee. Lovely. Yeah, it is pretty cool. You know, I'm not going to pretend I'm too cool for it. I feel like uh, a lot of people there have been to loads of festivals. Yeah. And maybe
2: are a bit jaded where I'm just like... Just sort of starry-eyed.
1: Like, oh, awesome, free movies.
2: Yeah, pretty jealous. I've just been slamming it in the office all day. I didn't even bother to apply because I'm so lazy.
1: I haven't seen any celebs. I saw Jason Solomons from The Guardian. Oh, yeah. He
2: was saying something a bit snooty and annoying. Did you hear what he was saying? you just tell from his face because he always always looks a bit snooty. Yeah. He he might have just been
1: reciting a shopping list, but he looked pretty snooty doing it. It's like the
2: smell of the latest Michael Bay film is in his nostrils at all times. And today I saw
1: um, Nick Knowles, host of D O A S O S -S 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 No. Just hanging around the BFI cell bank.
2: I don't believe it. Don't know what he Nick was doing. Nick Knowles. Yeah. Shit, mate. I'm, I don't know who that is. You never watched, <laughs> I think he
1: presents one of the National Lottery game shows now. But in the early noughties, he presented DIY SOS. You didn't watch that show?
2: No, no, man. It's when
1: people had a DIY SOS, so him and a bunch of lovable, affable builders would go in and just sort of sort your house yeah. out another day. <laughs> and you saw him. <laughs> I saw him oh my wearing God. a suit was Sim- he
2: just there? Was he? Was he like? It must be seeing some TV some screening or... or something. Okay.
1: It was. He was just in the sort of cafe bar area. So I don't know oh, if he yeah. was particularly affiliated with the actual festival. He's
2: not necessarily like, into all the sort of crazy art house stuff that you like. Yeah, he's not really the sort of weird shit I like. Um, pick of the festival so far. Pick of the festival so
1: far is this film Moonlight's, which is brilliant. I think it could be a strong Oscar contender. Oh yeah. Um, partly because it's just really good. It on its own merits, and also it's. Just predominantly black people in it, and like a black cast and crew. Great. And so you think like an lead... extra
2: race-conscious Oscars might, you know, approve of
1: Well, that. now that Birth of Nation is, turns out the director's a rapist, they're <laughs> 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 looking for another really good film with black people yeah. in the cast and crew to champion, I suspect. Maybe we should explain that one just in cynical. case people
2: haven't been following the fate of this movie <laughs> Segway, this, Segway. the yeah. film the
1: birth of a nation not the wd griffiths one but about slave revolt, which was a huge hit at sundance and written directed in starbucks guy called nate parker and everyone's like it's just going to be on a march all the way to the academy awards but it turns out he was convicted of uh rape like 10 years ago him and the guy who wrote the film so that has colored the press were they both convicted for one incident yeah Oh, well, i went to court and then it got like settled it's all a bit oh murky. so they so, yeah so
2: maybe you know they
1: were innocent maybe but, well i wouldn't them
2: i wouldn't say it was committed a rape what if lawyers listen to this okay. or um or nate parker's lawyers yeah it's or, true okay how do i phrase this allegations
1: allegations have been made which seem to have
2: be a bit substantial yeah they, were they... <laughs> heavily substantiated allegations made yeah of of a, of a rape-like nature. Of a
1: rape-like nature, which is somewhat
2: overshadowing the his, positive his film. drive of the initial And the, press. the problem is that he doesn't have the sort of already established name where you can just shrug off things like that. Yeah. He's no Johnny Depp where you can just, like, do whatever you want and just everyone forgets about the next day. Yeah. Yeah. That's a shame. poor Poor chap. I wonder <laughs> if anyone's written the hot take where it's like, this proves how racist Hollywood is because it can destroy his career, but, like... Oh right, yeah. Like if uh, there was a it, white
1: guy who had sexual, we need we need a different
2: privilege system where our you know black directors can survive. You know, Polanski's had a uh, it's not just regular rape but child rape, possibly the worst form. Child a- anal, anal rape, anal rape, the worst <laughs> form of that <laughs> of all the subsectors. That's a pretty bad one. Uh, Hanging over him for a very long time, and he still you know didn't didn't still put, make didn't it... put Ewan McGregor off. He wasn't like, well, you got an anal rapist directing. He was like, whatever, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long time ago you know what <laughs> he's highly he's highly respected so i don't, I don't Did the addition. child anal rape you <laughs> off like
1: with him yeah, well you know chinatown's a great movie so what are you gonna do <laughs> uh you know love the art not the
2: artist yeah yeah exactly that's the principal way to look at it so i think people anyway, should treat nate nate park the same way but moonlight is
1: excellent yeah and i think it's, it'll be hard to get tickets at the london film festival but it will Definitely get a wide release, I imagine. Yeah, because it's been heralded everywhere.
2: Well, I find it a relief that the movie that you like the best so far is one that will be accessible. It's not like, well, my favorite movie was this Thai picture, you know, yeah, uh, all about a dreaming turtle, and you're <laughs> never going to see it. No, the, the dreaming turtle movie <laughs> was a Japanese production. Okay, Great. sorry, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm, i I misremember what you were telling me earlier, which was also good. <laughs> not as good, <laughs> yeah. So, how much more press stuff are you going to be watching? Like, how many more days are you going to be camped out there?
1: Well, it's till the end of the festival. I can
2: go whenever. But are they still? But like, once the festival proper starts, are they still doing these daytime screens just for the packs? yeah.
1: Because all the gala screenings, so I can see like La La Land and uh, yeah. the Arrival and like all these movies people actually want to see. Yeah, I'm waiting for all this art house shit at the moment. Just like oh, somebody somebody famous be in this film sure yeah speaking english and have (laughs) normal shots english (laughs) do you
0: speak it
1: i just want to watch the goonies okay yeah but you're making me watch this moroccan existential art house exploration of myth and modernity what's going
2: on that sounds that sounds like a great difficult yeah difficult films an ordeal um well next time I look forward to getting an update and all the cool shit you've been watching. Yeah. Well, I've been doing whatever bullshit I do with my day. Yeah. Pretty sad about it. Anyway, <laughs> on to the next segment of the podcast.
0: Superhero films announced, casting rumours leaking out. M. Chamberlain's film is hated. Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated. Meryl Streep's Oscar tips. Matt
2: Damon's in a
0: viral vid. Michael Bay's made a mint. That's the news that's been to print.
2: Jared Leto. One of our favourite actors. We offer barnstorming a <laughs> performance in the Suicide Squad. Universally one, acclaimed. One for the ages. No one wanted to kill him watching him on screen. He's lining up his next movie to wash the foul taste of his last performance out of our mouths. <laughs> it's good of him. Uh, which is very kind of him. And he is going to be playing another divisive figure. Andy Warhol, apparently. They've got Terence Winter to write the script. A very well respected writer who uh, wrote um, Wolf of Wall Street, which is a pretty epic script, um, and also created Boardwalk Empire and wrote for The Sopranos, um, and recently Vinyl. And
1: of which has Andy Warhol in it. Very Does it?
2: briefly, yeah. Who plays? Um, John Cameron
1: Mitchell, who yeah. is the writer and director of Short Bust. Oh, Short right. Short Bust? Short okay. Bust. Short oh, Bus. The one with the shortest bust in the world. Short Bust and uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Sort of. Is, is Short
2: Bus that sex
1: film? Yeah, the sex film. Sex movie, it is yeah. a, um, it's, it's part of the 90s queer cinema movement.
2: Right. So uh, the last time I saw Andy Warhol portrayed on screen, it was in Men in Black 3, and he was being played by Bill Hader, <laughs> <laughs> which was also a pretty good performance. Cool. And I guess Terrence Winter didn't want uh, Bill to take that role a bit more serious um, for his thing. But, yeah, it's still some way out. I think Winter is still working on the script, and they don't have a director yet. But it's interesting. Maybe they will make a good fit. They're both, you know, similarly sort of aloof. Um, it kind of looks a bit like him. Yeah, they don't look that dissimilar.
1: I think it'd be interesting because... They both seem quite annoying. <laughs> yeah, like Annie Warhol's been depicting in, in all these films as like a sort of random aloof svengali character yeah in like yeah. other people's stories like he's in the doors biopic and he's in the basquiat biopic and or like factory girl and- yeah exactly and i guess that's what he kind of was like everyone knew him he's just a sort of center where all these cool things revolved around him and um you know the factory mm. but i don't know if the films actually tackled him head on you know he's just always been in the fringes of movies it's just
2: like cool aloof guy with glasses who kind of floats in and out of the film yeah and um, Jared Leto is going through a bit of a laughing stock phase, I think. Yeah. Um, due to his on and off screen antics uh, related to Suicide Squad, but he was very good in Dallas Bios Club. Yeah. Far as I can remember, I don't know if I'd go back and watch that movie and be like, "What a ham!" Now, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, he was excellent it, in that. He was goodness. So you know, maybe this is a good opportunity for him to. What's he He going to... Redeem himself. ...give his co-stars? Just, like, cans of soup and... Pictures (laughs) of (laughs) Marilyn Monroe, I don't know.
1: I was thinking about his crazy, you know, method, giving people crazy gifts, antics. And maybe what would be a good idea is just cast Charlito as Santa, and then... He'd just give gifts to everybody, right? He, yeah. Like He'd method it. Or like... And he would just become
2: Santa. Or like Willy Wonka, and he'd be giving everyone
1: <laughs> lovely chocolates and yeah, stuff. Yeah, he just needs to method him as like a sort of um, aid worker or something. And
2: then he could just like send him off to do some good in the world. Oh, that'd be so good. <laughs> or he'd be giving everyone mosquito nets and like... Yeah. Yeah. And vaccinating <laughs> kids and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like... Just yeah. gotta give him a role where... You gotta sell it to him as some kind of boyhood-style 12-year project. It's like, we're gonna fool me the whole time. And what you're doing is building schools. Suicide Squad could be a terrible movie but if he
1: built some schools in preparation for playing the Joker yeah. it would sort of negate the um you know the
2: terribleness of the film. Hey Jared I'm making a new movie it's called The Nanny. <laughs> it's going to star you and my kids. <laughs> it starts tomorrow at 9. I
1: mean he was bad in Suicide Squad but maybe from his previous good work we can perhaps surmise that if he's got a good director and good material who can sort of marshal him and yeah. like don't let him run wild with the character
2: to sort of, you know, give him a bit of direction, perhaps. Yeah, get him out of that crazy studio system, put him in a little smaller movie with a bit of, like, artistic control. It could be great. Yeah. Say, why not? Why not? Why let's not? Remain, let's remain quiet. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big
0: wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass.
2: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45
0: up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month.
1: Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Quietly optimistic.
1: In other news, recently I was waxing lyrical about how much I loved Childhood of a Leader, the debut film of Brady Corbet. If you haven't listened to that review... It's up. It's online. Go two episodes back. It's there, waiting for you to listen to. It's a great review. I got retweeted by a Robin Patterson um, Twitter fan group. That's true, actually. And, and then we then, got, we got some followers. Some we got R-Pats some traction from, from that. From R-Pats. yeah. And um, Brady Corbet apparently it took years for him to realize that project, but he's just he's just barreling on. So he's already got his next film lined up. It's going to be called Vox Lux. It's a pretty cool name. <laughs> and he's written it, and it's going to star Rooney Mara as a modern day singer and it charts from nineteen ninety nine to the present day and takes in Horizon Superstardom and observes all the twenty first century big changes and he's gonna shoot it on sixty five millimeter film, hateful eight style, biggest lenses possible, projected on seventy mil, and it's gonna have original music by Sia. Wow. And it's shooting in February. All those things are cool. That's that's like it a, does.
2: That's a powder keg of cool. It does sound really awesome. It's like he's made Charter the Leader, and he's, you know, it was I Steve, and he's like, I am an auteur. My movies are epics. I filmed them on epic-sized film. There you go. That's who I am now. Yeah. And, you know, more power to him. He's even, he's even given it, like, an ultra-epic title.
1: Vox Lux.
2: Yeah, I, I feel like that's a title that looks cooler written down than it sounds to say. Yeah. Vox Lux.
1: Yeah.
2: V and X are, like, the coolest... <laughs> Let it's. plus it's latin yeah pretty awesome and rooney mara is great i really like rooney mara yeah me too like like rooney mara a lot i think she's got a, a um she's got the sort of compelling cinematic movie star quality that makes her a good subject for some sort of um decade spanning biopic yeah and i could type, definitely type buy her as like an enigmatic pop star sure she's got that quality about her and her uh, is the most enigmatic pop person going right you don't get yeah. more enigmatic than not showing your own face
1: Anyway, I think it's going to be epic. I love Child of a Leader. I was like when I left that movie I was like I got to see what this guy does next and now I don't have to wait that long.
2: It sounds cool. I I, I just I'm always uh, glad when um people take on these very self-consciously grand uh sort of grandiose yeah. product um projects.
1: It's you like know? declare your film to be the best film ever and just exactly, make it.
2: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that like um everyone was excited about there will be blood coming out because it's, you know, like everyone's favorite director. It's got this incredibly epic title. You know, and it did turn out to be amazing. So I hope yeah. it's another thing like that. Yeah.
1: It's cool. And I like the idea um, that style of filmmaking apply to a modern story and not... You think that's uh, like... True, yeah. That that's sort of yeah old lenses and there must be a war or some sort of, you know, epicness that has already been historically documented. No. Whereas, like, that's not usually done in a non-period film i guess this is a period film but recent history yeah i think think that's
2: actually a really good point that'll be interesting to see um recent pop history treated with that kind of epic dramatic scope rather than in like pop star or something where it's just like the butt of a joke yeah it'd be like that moment in cd uk where
1: christian aguilera wore those Arthur's chaps but like in 65 millimeter with, like, an incredible score.
2: Yeah, and instead of laughing, you just start crying because it's so beautiful.
1: <laughs> it's just so powerful.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember this controversy? No, I don't.
1: I Any, don't know anything. Anyone else? I,
2: <laughs> if you I, remember... I never i never seen Christina Aguilera's ass. I know shit. It was pretty controversial at the time. Oh, yeah? Was it as... Yeah, controversial some other controversies <laughs> that have happened in, in the world of music. Well, did you watch CD UK? It was off to SMTV Live. No, mate. So it was around I don't like watch noon. any shows that are acronyms, okay? I don't watch <laughs> DIY SOS. I don't watch CD UK. I don't watch SMTV. I don't watch this stuff. It's got to be a whole word, no acronyms. Okay,
1: well, anyway, it was on, like, a sort of lunchtime on a Saturday, and, you, you know, she's wearing this provocative outfit for this song, yeah. and, you know, the mum's complaint. It was like they turned, They left their kids watching this harmless sort of Top of the Pops sure. rip off and they come back and there's some lady cavorting her derriere. Yeah. And they, a
2: lot of controversy. They leave their kids wearing their sort of like white, frilly, um, modest dresses and they come back in. They're all in like <laughs> bikinis cavorting, sexually gyrating against the fireplace kind of yeah, thing. And come. it's like, what, have you, what are you doing, little Tilly or something? And she's like, well, Christina's doing it on TV. Yes. What are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> this is
1: all gold. <laughs> if you cut this out, I'm leaving.
2: And now for Danny to review a
1: film he recently saw what a staggeringly brilliant was it last conjunction we call out of Danny,
2: for the judgment we're about to hear is called if he does a rubbish job, then Sam will tell him off.
1: So Bridget Jones is back. Yes And this time she has a baby. Good <laughs> It is directed by Sharon Maguire, who was the director of the first Bridget Jones and not the director of the second inferior shit Bridget Jones, Bridget Jones, Edge of Reason, which I think is perhaps part of the chemistry. She was a good choice. And mm. It's good that she's come back. And it's written by her, uh, Helen Fielding, um, who is the novelist. The books are based on Emma Thompson, who also has a dual role as this no-nonsense doctor and has given herself all the best lines, and Dan Meza. Who was a regular collaborator of um, Sasha Baron Cohen and the director of *Dirty Grandpa*? So it's quite a, a cauldron. Of the set up is that Bridget is now forty-three. She has been separated from Mark Darcy, played by Colin Firth in full mumble-humble mode. Uh, they've been separated for five years, but she is content in her singlehood and is focusing on her career as a top news producer. And at a weekend at Glastonbury, she meets a dashing American called Jack, played by Patrick Dempsey, has a one-night stand with him. And a few days later, at a friend's christening, she hooks up with Darcy, has a one-night stand with him, and then she finds herself pregnant and not knowing who the father is and hilarity and drama ensues. And sure. And this is a clip of Bridget getting ultrasound with both the guys separately and uh, Emma Thompson as a doctor sort of playing along. Oh, so this is Dad, I presume. So glad you could be here. Well, this is a unique and wonderful moment. Dr. Rawlings, I wonder if you could make... Do me a favour. So, this is Dad, I presume. Pleased to meet you. I'm so glad you could be here. This is a unique and wonderful moment. Before we start, would you like to know the sex?
2: Maybe we should be prepared. Uh, I'm not sure... It's a boy. A boy! A boy! A boy! It's our boy. A boy. Oh. Oh, my boy. Have you seen the previous two? I I think I've seen Bridget Jones two. I've I've seen Bridget Jones one, definitely. Um Bridget Jones two, I feel like maybe it was on or something. I saw a bit of it. It's not yeah. that funny. So. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty forgettable. Yeah. But from the setup that you just described, it might as well not exist because yeah. news producer, she's broken up with Darcy, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can skip the second, presumably. I think so. I I don't don't watch it. Is don't you, go you, back to it. Is Hugh Grant in this new one? He's not. He decided not to return.
1: Right. So my general review would be that it's a bit broader than the first one and a bit gentler and on the whole, not as funny, but it's very charming and the performances are very winning and it that sort of glosses over all the narrative holes that are in it. Yeah. And uh, there's something to be said that the way to ensure a good sequel, particularly um, one to a rom-com, is just to leave it a decade because I think the problem with the second one and... Um, sequels in general is that they end on a happy ending and you have to contrive a way to undo the happy ending to have it again which is always a bit annoying but because there's been this gap you can sort of understand that they might have drifted apart in the intervening 10 years and that adds a little sort of you know you you kind of buy it as a premise and also means the character is changed enough that it's not the same old shtick and uh, although I missed Hugh Grant in it because I just really like Hugh Grant and he's really great. It's one of like the funniest character. parts of the first movie, yeah. Yeah, but you get the sense, you don't miss him because you get the sense that Bridget is like older and wiser now and wouldn't be attracted to that guy anymore. You know, she's sort of grown out of the uh, hilarious fop cad, And it's a film that really knows its audience and has sort of grown up with it. And I think Sharon Maguire, like the first movie you could tell that there was a lot of her in that film and now she's in her 40s and the film um does a good job of just updating the character in that the things that bother you when you're 30 or don't on that bigger problems anymore and you know you're a bit wiser and older and it also helps in the fact that the film does repeat some of the comic beats from the first film but the character is moved on enough that they're not the same so there's a bit where she embarrasses herself at a public event but she kind of owns her mistakes a bit more and it's not like some cringing meltdown. She's just like, okay, that's happened. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sort of, you kind know, it's kind of charming. It's kind of, it's very endearing. And that's the kind of tone of the movie in a nutshell is that it's got this inbuilt audience and it wants to sort of serve up a sort of like reheated version of the first movie and sort of um, kind of hit these nostalgia beats, but also wants to uh, have the character deal with like modern problems that would be facing her like a decade on. And so, the first film she was like this young london media generation x type and now one of the plot lines is about she's in an industry which is populated by everyone who's younger than her and sort of trying to hang on in it's a bit more melancholic i think mean, just by the fact that they're older it's not as um sharp as it used to be i think that's just a natural result yeah. of the film aging so yeah it's sort of fine i kind of enjoyed it the performances are really good Patrick Dempsey's doing his best, but his character never really escapes being a plot device. Mm. And I feel kind of bad for him because his character is there just to set up this premise, but he can't be uh, like an asshole because that would just be like awful if she's been potentially impregnated by this horrible guy. But he can't be so nice that you want her to end up with him over Darcy. And so he's caught in between. <laughs> and he's also this, um, his backstory is like he's this tech billionaire who runs a dating site when he believes in, like, algorithms for people being in love.
2: Okay, so he's like an OK Cupid type guy. Yeah.
1: He's called Jack uh, Quaint, and he's, like... So it's called Quaintify or something? <laughs> <laughs> and one of the movie's slightly lamer jokes. Yeah. And, well, uh... But, like, loving. he's got this whole story thing about him, like, believing in logic and maths and stuff. But then his character later on is, like, a sort of... Uh we can and argue it's like bad vibes for the baby, so it's like what are you, new age guy or like crazy logic guy? It's like he's just whatever the script needs him to be, he's that guy. Yeah. But uh Patrick Dempsey is kinda of charming, so it kind of works. And um Colin Firth and Renee Zellweger are both delightful. I really enjoyed them. I'd see them back together.
2: They are a very delightful pair.
1: And uh yeah, they were really well cast in the first movie and they've um you know, it's just kinda of cool to see them. 10 years on, it's like, how many
2: rom-coms are about people in their 40s? Yeah, well, it's, it's cool to see Renee Zellweger go back, because... She hasn't made a move for, like, six years. Yeah. That's and cool. I mean, maybe that says something about, you know, how much women in their 40s, like...
1: Yeah, as long as you've got class in your 30s. Yeah, exactly,
2: <laughs> and you've got a franchise. You <laughs> yeah, You can yeah. still be in movies, but...
1: And you, uh, yeah, and they're great, and Colin Firth does his sort of, you know, awkward, repressed man thing, but he's, you know, he's the master of that. Yeah. He is Darcy. And uh, there are some of her plot lines. There's a plot about her mum becoming a local parish councillor that kind of goes nowhere. And this whole thing about her, like, <laughs> b- being about our place in this new media goes nowhere. And. there's this stuff like. Where people talking about Twitter, and she's like, What's Twitter? No, it's like there's a sort of plot line where, like, this new young person comes in, and she's like, Oh, we might get fired because we're, like, old and stuffy and can't keep up with the, you know, young. Oh, I see, yeah. Hip ki- kids. And. Um, you see, like there's her entourage of friends are in it, and it's kind of cool to see them like ten years on, like the sort of flamboyantly gay guy is like married now and like they've all got kids. But they're sort of like, I don't know, not much going on there. It's kind of like it, it treads water a little bit. Is it Sarah Alexander? Uh,
2: is she the no, one? No, who... Sally Phillips is in Sally it. Sally Phillips, yeah. I'm getting my... Um Yeah. So basically, she, does she swear? Yeah, she does. Yeah, it's it the good? same old
1: stuff. Yeah. And there's some good physical comedy in it. It's basically, it just goes down very easy. It's not going to change the world. It's not as good as the first one, and it could have done with a few more sharp lines. But I was perfectly entertained, and I saw my mum, and my mum loved it. Excellent. I'm
2: glad your mum liked it. So I think core audience will be very satisfied. That's good. I mean, it sounds um, like they took the right kind of approach, judging from what you're saying, because uh, Bridget Jones is such a movie about a particular time and about being a particular age that yeah in it really order to stay true to itself it. it has to change yeah and so if it's successfully you know done that then that's good you know that yeah. sounds rather than a movie that's still trying to be set in the 90s and about 30 year olds whatever
1: it was it was much better than i thought it would be i which is perhaps not a great compliment but
2: well you know these like uh, sequels a long time later where that no one was really calling out for it and always bode that well but um
1: yeah it's yeah. just well put together and, and I would say that just pleasant by, na-
2: time. by by nature of it being this sort of uh, rom-com about a woman who's 43, that's unusual. Yeah. Most um, romances, obviously most of them are young, and then there's like the sort of um, older um, Nancy Myers oh, yeah, kind of yeah. types. They're like, it's complicated and all that kind of stuff. Well, no oh, I'm yeah.
1: sleeping with my ex boyfriend.
2: <laughs> <laughs> sort of, you know, for like the older yeah. um, or, or like uh, best exotic Marigold Hotel, that kind of thing. But the uh, in between, but the but the, the middle aged, yeah, yeah. market is quite unusual. I would say.
1: Yeah, there's a Renee Collins sexing. Whoa, and that was like, Renee Collins. Renee Collins sexing. Who's Re- who's Collins? <laughs> Collins Firth.
2: <Ferf. laughs> <laughs> oh, a Renee Collins sexing. Yeah, right. yeah. I don't know why. I mean, that's obvious. I don't know why I was confused <laughs> by that. It's pretty hot. Do you see any of like his bum or? Sadly, not. Or dick. <laughs> no. Oh, that's a shame. Well, I won't be seeing the movie then. That's one opportunity the film had to get another viewer missed.
0: Looks like Sam's got a film to review. He's just getting ready now. Hey, Sam, here's a few tips for you that I hope are going to help you out. you got to come prepared, try not to rush. Speak directly into the mic. Um, don't sort of use filler words too much and try to avoid talking total shite. OK, start reviewing now.
2: I also went to see a very heartwarming film, cockle warming movie, called hunt for the wilder people directed by taika waititi whose most recent movie was what we do in the shadows which we previously reviewed on film chat i like being an old enough podcast that multiple movies by the same directors we can review wow. now um and uh, he also directed eagle vs. shark and his next movie is thor 3 ragnarok he's made his move into the gigantic studio behemoth system and uh you know this could be seen as his last sort of um indie picture hurrah before doing that um it stars sam neill and a uh, young kid called Julian Dennison, or I assume it's his debut, or perhaps he's very famous as a child actor in New Zealand. <laughs> oh, so. Julian Dennison! Julian Dennison? Whoa. You kidding
1: me? Um and, a veteran. Uh, <laughs> a veteran of
2: New Zealand cinema. Basically, the setup is Julian Dennison is a uh, kid looked after by child protection, going from foster home to foster home kind of thing, troubled background from the city, and he is taken in by a lovely lady called Bella, Play by an actor called rima t rima t wiata and uh sam neil they're a married couple and um a series of events leads sam neil and ricky stranded in a beautiful new zealand bush and they have to um, learn to sort of live out there he's a bit of a wild man yeah. knows knows his way around there and ricky is kind of a coddle city boy um, and, uh, you know, they get up to japes in the woods, and it's all very heartwarming stuff. Here is a clip of the Child Production Services people dropping off Ricky um, and having a conversation with Bella.
1: Yeah, I've been in this game a long time. No child left behind is our motto. Well, it's not, you know, the official motto, but it's definitely mine.
2: Also, as part of the transition process, I'll be needing to inspect your property
1: just to make sure that it's up to our high standard. Looks fine. What do you think, Constable Tappard? Andy. Yeah, it looks cool. Yeah. We'll be coming in every eight weeks or so just to check in on... uh... Who's that Crocodile Dundee guy over there? Oh, that's my husband, Hector. Whoa. He's
0: giving that pig a piggyback.
1: Well, I see he has a rifle. Just keep it away from this little guy. God knows what he's
0: capable of. Okay, he's all yours. No returns. I'm just joking. Okay, you've got my number, so just uh, ring me if you've got any trouble. Okay? Bye,
2: Ricky. Bye, Ricky. Wow, what a shocker, eh?
1: oh, I what? just feel my cockles just getting a little warmer there.
2: Yes. So, I, I, I enjoyed the movie. I th- I, I'm a bit worried that my review is going to follow the pattern of previous times so I went to see these, like, independent, heartwarming movies. It reminds me a bit, always, I feel like my review is, is in danger of being a repeat of my one of um, adult life skills where it's like the broad outline of what I will be saying <laughs> is that it's a um film with many winning elements and many elements that are obviously personal to the people making the movie that elevate it beyond um being a bit sort of rote and sentimental um because it follows a that sort of story path that it follows is very well trod right. and nothing particularly surprising um happens in terms of in terms of the drama the performances are very winning uh sam neill is very good he's doing a very similar thing to his classic jurassic park role where he's a grouchy guy doesn't like kids and then he learns to love kids nice um and uh, julian Denniston, i thought was really really good um as the main kid he's like kind of overweight um but um very funny just like good performer does like good you know is it basically looking up? for the camera well it has been compared to <laughs> up actually chubby uh, kid An old guy. An old guy wandering around in the wilderness, um, bonding. Um, And it does have a bit of a similar dynamic. Um, And it's also been compared to Moonrise Kingdom. And it shares some stuff with that as well, because there's these, like, um, comical but evil child protection people after them. Right. Um, And uh, the Aunt Bella character is um, probably my favorite one in the movie, but she's not in it enough, uh, which is one of my issues with it, because she makes such a great impression right at the beginning. And she's a more, uh, she feels more like something you haven't seen. And when, instead, when it's just this sort of like cheerful kid walking around dude. with a grumpy old man, yeah. it's a bit like the dynamic is a bit familiar, even though it's quite well done. So, I I, I I enjoyed it a lot at the time, and like I laughed and stuff. But as the more I'm thinking about it afterwards, the more I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking of things about it that I think weren't that great. I think that Taika Waititi, he's obviously got a bigger budget here than he had in uh, What We Do in the Shadows, but he's a bit less creative with it, so the movie feels a little bit flatter as a result. And What We Do in the Shadows was like a very uh, well-made movie for its budget and was very, had a lot of creative gags, and it was really funny. This movie is not quite as funny, and I think it kind of um, is playing to his weaknesses in a way, in that it's a bit like reliant on sentiment kind of like eagle versus shark was right that doesn't always feel completely earned and the style of it like he's no edgar wright you know he's not like a really obviously um uh, like director who's really got his own uh, style and yeah, so yeah, got a real stamp it feels a bit less like that I mean, sometimes it feels like it's trying to be edgar wright and um yeah not well i guess as
1: a sign there's all these comparisons is that like he hasn't yeah, because we well, brought together under yeah, his own exactly, stamp.
2: exactly. And I think the fact that the plot resembles up so much is like, you know, it's a bit I think the the, the central thing is it's almost a bit too close, you know, to, right. Like it just feels a bit like of a of a retread in some ways. Um, and I also think that some of the um, uh, it's obviously it's trying to be heartwarming. So it is less like laugh a minute than what we did in the shadows. Like deliberately it's more of a, you know, there's more dramatic sure, drama, more drama to there. it. It's more meat to it. But I think they're taking some shortcuts daily there by giving characters tragic backstories and um, just sort of relying on winning performances. And part of the issue, I think, is that the um, at the beginning of the movie, the the two, uh, Sam Neill and uh, Julian Dennison, you know, Ricky and Uncle Heck, don't get along in that well because he hates kids and stuff. And they're obviously very different. And they sort of grow to love each other. But as characters, they're drawn in such a way that you kind of love them immediately, and you never think that they aren't going to get along, you know? Right, yeah. And it feels a bit like the characters are just trying to catch up with the audience in a way, because you know, you just know that they, you know, what's what's happening. Does it feel a bit unearned? It feels a little unearned, yeah. Like, Ricky is not that annoying, and Heck is not that grumpy, you right, know? Right, yeah. And so uh, I think that, that the development had, lacks a bit of, like, bite or excitement, because sure. it just feels a bit, like, rote. Um, and there are other elements to the story as well, which are flagged up so early on that it's like, you know, it just doesn't land when they pay off because it's just too automatic where things are going. Yeah, it's very pretty looking. He does. He's got some um, fancy helicopter shots of New Zealand. Yeah. Um, if it's like watching Lord of the Rings, but just no New Zealand, no walks and stuff. <laughs> um, and it looks like looks really, really beautiful um it's got some nice sort of montages of them in uh, in the bush in the bush uh,
0: mate in the bush mate
2: and uh, Reese Darby turns turns up brilliant not as good a cameo as his werewolf character in what we in the shadows unfortunately he's playing a kind of crazy bushman he's a bit like the it's <laughs> man from Monty Python all right yeah i i think i think that it's like i found it a very pleasant watch but um it was a little bit insubstantial i think overall i think like the dramatic aspects to it work um because the um constituent elements are very charming but i think that the uh, way that they're narratively put together is not particularly elegant right do you think it's aiming for like a particular slightly younger audience some bits of it feel like a kid's movie like the child production services people feel like children um like children's tv show villains sure where they're mainly about making you laugh you know yeah um and uh I don't. I don't think overall it's like a kids' movie. I think it probably is more like um, something like Hot Fuzz or something,
1: right? Okay,
2: but maybe trying to get it's like Hot Fuzz crossed with like Moonrise Kingdom or something. Like that's the kind of tone, okay, uh, where it's trying to get you in the feels, but you know, it's also a sort of silly romp. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I am being I've, my pendulum is just swung too far one way, and the <laughs> I think it was actually like really good, or whatever. But um, yeah, I thought I thought I thought it was all right. What we did in the shadows is better, I think. Okay, mainly because it was funnier.
0: Yesterday I bumped into Imelda and She was out with her dog and we got talking I asked her what she does when she isn't acting She said she likes podcasts for relaxing Imelda when you're in the mood What do you listen to? Said I listen to one podcast. I listen to one podcast.
2: Only the one can kiss my ass. Cause I listen to one podcast. Film chat, film chat, film chat, film chat,
1: film chat. Another blow for the world in 2016.
0: 2016.
1: 2016. Damn you! What a year. Terrible, awful, terrible year. Brangelina's gone.
2: Yes. Brad and Ange. Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie. Have filed for a divorce. The only thing keeping him together was the life of David Bowie and Britain's membership of the European <sighs> Union. And with those gone. Yeah. That's it. Collapse. Tragic.
1: Collapsed. Apparently Brad was um rumours are abound. Allegedly yeah. Yeah. he's hooked up with Marion Godiard while they're filming the Robert Zemeckis film Uh Allied. Allied. Yeah. Ironically, he hooked up with Ange when he was making Mr. and Mrs. Smith about this spy couple and Allied is about a spy couple. <laughs> so I think if Marianne's gotta learn the lessons of the past, don't let him play a spy couple.
2: Yeah, if he gets cast in a spy, the first question you ask is, you know, who is your is your co star? Are they also a spy? And if yeah. so, you try to shut that production down.
1: I'm pretty sure when he was making
2: spy game he was boning Robert Redlet. <laughs> <laughs> Reverend Peck got it on, yeah. During Spy Game, he was kind of an IRA spy in the Devil's Zone as well. And I'm pretty sure he was sleeping with um, Harrison Ford during the hell. Movie back in the nineties. He just
1: can't resist a spy, can he?
2: No, he absolutely can't. He's extra horny when he's playing a spy.
1: Anyway, we're devastated. You particularly, yeah. I, I was
2: pretty torn up about it.
1: But as in all terrible things, sometimes <laughs> out of the ashes a phoenix gonna (laughs) rise in the form of beautiful work of art
2: well i was actually inspired by a facebook message thread i think saying you're inspired by something is probably building up what you did too much you know it's like let me tell you the story behind this great thing i did but um on one of our facebook chats a bunch of guys were basically making the gag that there were various movies they can no longer see because of the painful memories yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, I cannot see Happy Feet 2 anymore because Brad Pitt, that's one of the voices, and so on. There's just a lot of names. So I decided to put the names of a bunch of Brad Pitt, and Angelina, Jolie movies into the classic mourning poem, um, Funeral Blues by W.H. Auden, which is very famously featured in um, Four Weddings and a Funeral when John Hanna reads it out at the death of Simon Callow's character. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because like that that was not intended to be a sincerely sad poem because it's uh in its original context it was like in a play used kind of ironically as a, like an over show of public grieving. Uh but John Hannah just sells it, makes everyone everyone cry. So I tried to do the same, but in, you know tried it, and succeeded Tried my and friend. succeeded, created a lot of weeping. Um and with nothing else to do with our time, I'm going to try a live reading of the poem. Maybe you haven't read it, listener, you know. Please. And maybe you just, maybe you read it and you were like, this is shit. But you need to hear it read aloud and then you will realise it's power.
1: I'm bracing myself.
2: Should I attempt it in a Scottish accent? That's the question. Absolutely. To be in the John Hannah mode. Yes. Does that yes. make it? A, I can't do one. I, I think that should be my first claim, you know. You can a, do this. My first confession. R.I.P. Brangelina. Okay. I hope you've enjoyed listening. Uh, like us on iTunes and all that kind of good stuff. You know, write us reviews and tell your mothers and fathers about us. Why not celebrate the conclusion of the Labour Leadership Contest by telling ten friends about Film Chat? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Whatever that means. Um, and we'll be back next week. Danny will be talking more about the London Film Festival. And we will have seen I don't know what. Do you know we'll what? see um The Girl of All the Gifts. That sort of like sure. zombie movie that's come out of nowhere. But everyone says it's everyone says it, is well is good. the tits. Yeah. I do like movies with the word girl in the title They're very popular Sure um, <laughs> uh, Yeah, and you know, there'll be other stuff I'll probably have seen something else um, And so we'll leave you with my attempted Dramatic reading um, Of this of uh, uh, Blues In a terrible Scottish accent
0: Perhaps you will forgive me If I turn from my own feelings to the words of another splendid bugger W.H. Auden This is actually what I want to say Stop Lara Croft Cut off the devil's own Prevent Sky Captain And the world of tomorrow Silence the curious case Of Benjamin Button Bring out the tourist And let the mourners come Let Tyler Durden Circle moaning overhead Scribbling by the sea The message World War Z Put crate bows on twelve monkeys Maleficent and Snatch Let Changeling and Seven dress all in meat jaw black. They were my Mr. and Mrs. Smith, my Thelma and Louise, my Kung Fu Panda and my Kung Fu Pandas 2 and 3, my Counselor, my Beowulf, my Troy, my Mighty Heart. True romance should have been unbroken. It fell apart. Hackers is not wanted now. Shut down Megabind. Lock Ocean's eleven up and salt the tree of life. Cut short, girl interrupted, and leave sleepers sleeping. Make gone in sixty. 60- Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus